0: I'm Katya, and I'm Rin, and we're at the Commonwealth Center for Holistic Herbalism in Boston, Massachusetts.
1: And we're on the internet everywhere, through the power of the podcast. So, uh, we are not doctors, we are herbalists, we're holistic health educators.
0: And ideas discussed in this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Um, They're just fun things to study and learn. Our home state, Massachusetts, and in fact no other state in the United States, licenses... Our state does not, and no other state does either, license herbalists. So these discussions are for educational purposes only. Just read what's on the script, Katya.
1: Yeah, that'll probably work. (laughs) Pretty good. (coughs) In discussing any discrete condition or symptom, we aim to keep our conversations general enough to outline the major relevant factors, as we see them, and also to provide guidance and insight into the points of variation among individuals and how that will affect a plan or a protocol.
0: We want to remind you that good health is your own personal responsibility. The final decision in considering any course of therapy, whether discussed on the internet or prescribed by your physician, is always yours.
1: All right. So, uh, podcast number seven. Seven's an important number because it looks like an L when you turn it upside down.
0: I like nine. Nine is pretty exciting. Yeah? Yeah.
1: We'll get there pretty soon. We'll get there pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. So, for this week...
0: I was just going to quote one of my favorite podcasters. Oh, let's hear it. I was going to say, well, let's get into it.
1: Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. Right. Uh, Well, maybe I'll start. So this week, I just wanted to talk briefly about one herb that is a friend of mine, especially when um, I've been staying up very late and then trying to work a lot through the course of the day. So that's a caffeine-containing herb. Um, This, by the way, is not good behavior. (laughs) (coughs) Yeah. the ideal time, as I keep telling my students to take caffeine herbs, is when you're well-rested and just really want to uh, just really want to rock it, you know? Like, when you want to get an extra boost. Because there's this... I won't talk about this too much today, but there's an aspect of caffeine where if you're what they call naive to it, uh, which for most people means if you consume your caffeine less than about twice per week, three times a week for some constitutions, but generally somewhere in that range if you keep your consumption of caffeine, your frequency of drinking caffeinated beverages uh, or food objects or whatever else, you know, five below, energy shots. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, below that frequency, then, uh, you don't just get a wakefulness effect from caffeine, but you also get a, uh, a euphoric effect where there's a stimulation of dopamine and serotonin and some of these feel good chemicals in your brain. So, uh, that's something to cherish and to treasure, and I try to keep my caffeine consumption about that frequency.
0: When, when we're not also writing a book and... <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, you know how it is. Um, so anyway, so this week I've been uh, drinking a little bit more often, and uh, what I've been doing, though, to try to swing it around is uh, to work with herbs other than coffee. Um, coffee has some elements to it that make the body actually process the caffeine a little bit more slowly. Uh, and so, uh, well actually to absorb it more quickly, but to, uh, metabolize it more slowly. So with coffee, the caffeine hits you faster and stays with you longer. Um, this is probably one of the things that contributes to it being most people's preferred method of caffeine yeah. ingestion because they can get a lot of it that way. Um, but it does mean that it, it actually is more likely to give you the kind of side effects of caffeine where you get some jitters or some anxiety or some insomnia, even if that's, you know, 10 hours after your last uh, intake. Um, many people aren't aware that the um, half-life for caffeine is like five or six hours in a so-called normal person, <coughs> which is obviously ridiculous, but... Um,
0: I don't think I've ever met that Just as a, as
1: a concept, right? Yeah, and it's usually code for uh, the mean of all the people we studied this, which is usually going to mean something like, you know, young, white, college-aged men uh, is the population that gets studied most frequently for that kind of thing. Um, so... You know, there's a lot of reasons why your, your uh, half-life of caffeine in your body could be as long as 10 hours or, in some cases, even more, which means that if you have, um, you know, uh, what's the giant one called now over at Starbucks? They made, like, a new size a couple year, a while Do ago. Did they really? Yeah. Because the know.
0: big was already not big enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so you get one of those, and it's, like, 2 o'clock, and you're like, oh, no, I'll be done with this, you know, stimulation by by uh, 11 or whatever, midnight, whatever your, your bedtime is. <laughs> Uh, But you're not, in fact. Uh, It's still there.
0: And wait, I want to add something in there. So, uh, you know, yeah, they do most of these studies on men, young men. But um, there's a real reason that right off the bat, women need to think really differently about um, things that involve metabolization. Um, And by this, I mean women and anybody else who is using contraceptive, um, hormonal contraceptives. Um, so...
1: Yeah, and other forms of exogenous hormone supplementation Yeah, any kind well. of hormone
0: therapy. Yeah. Um, because that is a real load on the liver. So if you're taking the pill or, um, any other kind of exogenous hormones, then caffeine is going to hit you harder and stay with you longer. You're going to be one of those people who has a 10-hour, maybe even 12-hour half-life of caffeine in the body, which means that if you have caffeine at 10 in the morning, at 10 at night, it could still be affecting you and making it hard for you to sleep, which boggles the mind. It feels really hard to understand that, or it feels really hard to kind of not understand it rationally, but to grok it internally. Hmm. Um, But that's really true. So it might be that your morning coffee is is making it hard for you to sleep at night, even though that's 10 or 12 hours later. Yeah. Okay. okay, but anyway, in defense of caffeine. <coughs> yeah, I was going to say because now it
1: sounds like, oh man, that caffeine—that's a big problem. You know, no, no, no gonna... but
0: it's just a really good reason to stay naive. You know, it's. Yes. A... <laughs>
1: that's just what we always look for around here. How naive can I be? Yeah,
0: <laughs> no, like a really good reason to not become dependent. That's the that's the like the physiological term is naive, right. not not like gullible. Yeah. But yeah, it's a really good reason to just just have your caffeine once in a while.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, and then, you know, also try out uh, a variety of different plants because all of the the different caffeine-containing herbs, and there's roughly eight of them in the world, and I feel pretty confident about that number because every now and then you hear people talk about, oh, well, there's this other plant over here, or even, like, cleaver seeds have a little caffeine in them or whatever else, and there may be trace amounts, but um, in terms of plants that you can make a tea out of and get a buzz from, there's basically eight, and uh, that's kind of kind of exciting um so I don't know what that'd be coffee tea uh cacao right and then we would have um the uh cola nut and uh guarana 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 to pronounce that last syllable there <laughs> um and then the other three are what's called the caffeine hollies because they're all in the holly family or the Ilex genus so that's going to be yerba mate which is the most famous and uh There's a plant called Huayusa, um, Ilex uh, Huayusa, G-U-A-Y-U-S-A. And um, that is um, uh, one that's been sold a little bit commercially in the past, past, I don't know, five years, I think. Yeah, not very long. The company Runa showed up kind of on the scene and started uh, marketing that. So this is an Amazon rainforest plant. Um, So, uh, you know, that one's out there now. um, Pretty good. But the one I wanted to talk about today is called Yaopan, or Yaopan holly. That's spelled Y-A-U-P-O-N. And um, this one, again, is is, uh, in the same botanical genus as the Yerba Mate and the Huayusa. And its uh, botanical name is a little unfortunate because it's Ilex vomitoria, uh, which doesn't sound very appetizing, does it? I think
0: sometimes botanists just do that stuff to, you know, Mm. to... Because they can, just to play yeah. with everybody a little
1: bit. Well, what happened was, um, when I guess this, I guess the term discovered is usually used here, but whatever, when uh, when some Europeans uh, uh, found this plant and started writing writing stuff down about it. In their, <laughs> As
0: if they discovered it. In their beautiful
1: leather-bound journals and the whole thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, so... Uh, a very hap- civilized <sighs> manner, sorry. What, ha- what happened was, uh, they observed some uh, Native American people... Who were working with this herb uh, and a bunch of others in a, a ritual, and it was um, it was basically a uh, a purification ritual that was um, engaged in uh, by some members of the group, and um, it involved consuming massive quantities of this uh, concoction that was referred to as the black drink, uh, uh, to the point of drinking so much of it that they would then vomit and. That, con- that blend did contain some herbs that were directly emetic, uh, but it also contained a whole bunch of pan, and so the name ILEx vomitoria was applied to it because it was involved in this uh, this purgative uh, you know uh, treatment or, or preparation. Uh, fortunately for you um, and me, I can report that uh, Yaupon does not cause vomiting. <laughs> I suppose if you drank two or three gallons of it, uh, that would probably get you because you do that with any,
0: yeah, two or three gallons of liquid yeah. is enough to just make you vomit anyway. Yeah.
1: And even, I mean, there are, there are some, uh, you know, like in, in Ayurveda or even in like the Thompsonian tradition, there's been some, um, times when people have been interested in purging their, uh, their patients or their clients. Um, and, uh, that is a method to do that is to make like a weak tea and just drink a lot of it until, until your body has that reflex. Anyway, um. You don't have to do that with your yapon tea. In fact, I don't advise it. <laughs> um, better to just make a uh, you know make a cup and, make and drink a nice that cup of tea. That'll be great. Um, so this is uh, actually it's very similar to yerba mate in terms of flavor, um, and it can be prepared in a lot of the same ways. Um, one of the reasons I'm interested in yapon is because this is North America's only caffeine-bearing herb, and again, I mean that in the sense of you know an herb that you can make a tea out of and and get some stimulation. Uh, it's a tree, essentially. Um, it grows in the southeast United States. Um, uh, I've heard from a number of herbalists and um, uh, other people who kind of live in the, the southeast quarter of the U.S. that it's very prevalent, that there's really quite a lot of it around. Um, I know a number of herbalists who will gather their own and, uh, you know, just have a couple of trees in the yard and gather that and dry the leaves out and, um, make a bunch. And I'm highlighting this because, um, whenever we can work with trees, especially if we're working with the leaves, that's good news because you can have one organism and it can provide you with a basket full of plant matter and you don't have to have harvested all of it. You don't have to have harmed that tree at all. Um, so, you know, when we think of something like linden leaf or hawthorn leaf and flower or something like that, uh, we know that that's very sustainable, um, uh, herbal medicine, and so with yapon, you know, here we have uh, something that's scrubby and um, you know resilient, and uh, is able to to grow fast and to grow tall and to produce a lot of um, a lot of a lot of leaves. So um, there are a couple of industrious uh, folk who are making yapon available uh, on a regional scale or through internet commerce. Uh, So the two places where I've ordered my yaopon from, so far anyway, have been from uh, Cat Spring Yaopon and also Lost Pines uh, Yaopon Tea, and both of those folks uh, seem to be over in in Texas, um, East Texas, I believe. So uh, yeah, so a North American native plant, a caffeine-bearing tree, um, and I just like the taste of it. You know, it's, uh, like I said, it's similar to mate in flavor. And the um, the folks who, who sell it, they'll sell you uh, a light roast or a dark roast um, or just a straight um, dried leaf. Um, they have slightly different flavor, but it's very similar to what you get with mate, uh, with uh, Yerba Mate, um, where you can buy that, and it's either been roasted or, you know, darker light or whatever else. Um, so you can uh, you can have it that way. Slightly smoky flavor, um, which I really enjoy, but hasn't always been your thing.
0: Nope.
1: Yeah. Um... But uh, about the caffeine content here, um, it's an estimate because I haven't found uh, real solid numbers on this, but it's going to be, again, very similar to Yerba Mate, um, probably in the somewhere between half a percent up to 3% range, um, which compares pretty well to something like uh, green tea. Um, uh, You know, green tea, most commercial tea you buy, is going to hover somewhere around 3% caffeine, so it's kind of similar in terms of how much... Um, plant matter you would use to get uh, to get a, a caffeine buzz or a dose on that. There's also a fair amount of theobromine in yerba mate, and that's not surprising to us because any herb that can... Uh, sorry, in, in yerba mate, in, in uh, yapon in, in huayusa, in all of the hollies, the caffeine hollies here. Um, and that's not surprising to us because any plant that has caffeine is going to have some theobromine in it. Uh, theobromine, which you may be familiar with from... Uh, chocolate, or cacao, um, is actually the, the precursor compound to caffeine in the plant metabolism. So the plants begin uh, with something called a, a methylxanthine base, and then they uh, metabolize that first into theobromine and then into caffeine. And so, um, you know, in cacao, you've got lots and lots of theobromine and not much caffeine because the plant just isn't very enthusiastic about metabolizing it, that, that you know, third step there. Um, but any other plant that has some caffeine is going to have a bit of theobromine in there. In mate, there seems to be a bit more than in tea, and some of that you get in the flavor. It doesn't really ha- I wouldn't say it has a cacao-like flavor, but there's some, some note, you know, some kind of earthiness underneath that's, that's similar across the both of them. So um, the way I like to drink this tea uh, myself is to combine it with some friends. Um, when I have access to it, Uh, which I haven't for quite a while, and I'm kind of sad, I really like to pair it with this herb called gynostemma. You might also know it as as, uh, giaugulan, um, but its Latin is gynostemma pentaphyllum. And that's a really nice, um, uh, slightly sweet um, adaptogenic herb um, that's not a root that you need to decoct and we find that nice when we can find some adaptogens that are these Yeah, lazy. it's
0: sort of like the, uh, another Telsey type adaptogen. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's more of a, more of a restorative than a stimulant. It's more of a, um, you know, a, a water type herb than a fire type. So, um, and anyway, I really enjoy pairing that together with one of the caffeine holly plants, you know, mate or yapon or huayusa. And uh, maybe a little bit of goji berry, a little bit of ginger, tiny little touch of licorice in there, perhaps, um, and uh, drink that. And the reason for the combination there is that that kind of puts a little bit of a, um, I don't know, it smooths out the edges. Um, I'm pretty sensitive to caffeine. I drank way too many jolt colas when I was in high school, and basically ruined myself for <laughs> caffeine for several years. Um, I've been uh, reintroducing it into my life in the past few years, and. Uh, there's been some ups and downs, but, you know, a, a relatively low um, caffeine concentration drink, like a infusion of some yaopan tea and some uh, ganostema if I've got it, or some goji berries otherwise, a little touch of ginger in there, um, that's very soothing, it's very gentle on my stomach, which is where I often get, you know, upsets uh, from that kind of overstimulation, um, and it gives me a nice kind of a boost and keeps me going for several hours at a stretch, so... That's how I really prefer that.
0: Yeah, and it's like, um, you know, because we all drink coffee, we all, uh, because as a culture we drink coffee, we're not accustomed to this idea of, like, formulating our caffeine. Mm -hmm. We're we're like, no, caffeine herbs are single plant extracts, you know? Yeah, Yeah. I've been formulating my coffee in the not-coffee blend, and, okay, I almost always use decaf, but still. um, And you formulate your caffeine, too. You always put other plants in with it, and it really does make a very big difference in how that caffeine hits you, um, especially in terms of the side
1: effects. Yeah. So, um, anyway, so that's a a plant that I really like, and, um, you know, again, if you want to support some uh, American... Small business folks, then uh, you can totally reach out and get some homegrown caffeine if you're listening here from the U.S. <laughs> Elsie, do you have an opinion about? Elsie small is yawning. Businesses?
0: She apparently needs some caffeine. Yeah,
1: <laughs> no, no, no caffeine for dogs. No <laughs> theobromine <laughs> no, for dogs? No, that would be terrible. Either. That would be terrible. Yeah, no, no, no yapon for you, Papa. The so with dogs, right? It's the it's actually the theobromine that's toxic for them, and that's why you don't give them chocolate. Um and it essentially just is that they're they they do not really process that molecule very well and so it exerts a really strong stimulating effect on them and you can get little doggy heart attacks and, and uh you know respiratory distress and that kind of thing. So Yeah,
0: let's let that not happen.
1: Yeah. So uh
0: Okay, well okay. <laughs> I wanna talk about pretty much the opposite of caffeine. Um so you might have just thought, oh, she's going to talk about chamomile. No, actually not. Um, <laughs> so we, um, lately we've been rereading the, um, the book The We Free Men by Terry Pratchett, which is the first book in the Tiffany Aikings series. And um, when I say that we're rereading them, what I really mean is that Rin is reading them to me out loud. And I have to tell you, he makes the best voices. I'm working on it.
1: I've you know, we've listened to a bunch of audiobooks and uh it's definitely a performance art, you know. Like some of these readers have just got very distinct voices that yeah. they never mess up. No, they, <laughs> they switch into them really easily. But yeah. you do
0: that. You're like a you're like an audiobook reader. It's I'm great.
1: I'm working on it. Know. Um, <laughs> Maybe that can be my next career.
0: <laughs> so I you know we actually we put these books on our reading list for our herbal students too, um, it, and it's just because the message of the books are so important, and that is so these are this these stories about this girl who um, is she lives in like rural England and um, I mean
1: it's Discworld but yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and um you know she's a shepherd and her family's been shepherds and. And she's becoming a witch, and that is sort of a semi-legitimate career path in this world. And the the revelation throughout the whole book is that the work of witches is really never showy or glamorous. It is um, it's the mundane, practical, wise woman work of any given village or town, and and a and a tangible example that they give is just like you have to go and cut the toenails of the old people in the village because nobody else will do it and there's nothing glamorous in that so so the what this person is really writing about is dedicating your life to service um, and of course that resonates with me very much <laughs> very much um, and and the very practical nature of of the way that these women do their work in the different villages. Um, you know, it's just extremely down to earth. It is whatever works. It is, you know, it's, it's really excellent. So I just can't love these books enough. And they also, they remind me a lot of one of our favorite quotes from Paul Bergner, who is an amazing herb teacher. And um, you can get his lectures on CD, and I highly recommend it. Um, but he loves to say, be a boring herbalist. And it's so true. Um, just this idea of like boring, everyday, not glamorous, very practical work at keeping people healthy. And it's kind of like last week when I was talking about cranberries and how you don't need fancy antioxidant superfoods from faraway places. It's, most of herbalism is boring. And that's actually really, really good news, even though our culture is not into that. Our culture wants exciting. But I think that that if you can do 90 or more percent of your work as an herbalist, in a boring practical way then what that actually means um, is that getting healthy is not actually about giant cumbersome difficult heroic effort it's just the everyday practical stuff done very consistently so so After, you know, 19 years of doing this and of really seeing tremendous improvement in people's health, just from really dumb, boring, practical, not glamorous stuff, like not even as strong as caffeine, like smaller than that, you know, just plain old nettles and the amazing changes that can come from people's lives just from that and getting a better night's sleep on a consistent regular basis and then we look at the current trends in the medical um, industry and we see like more and more of these drastic like heavy hitting pharmaceuticals and 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 how fast people are like Oh, we'll just take out your gallbladder, you, you know, or we'll just take that, you know. That's a favorite. Yeah, because we can, because we have that ability, we now are, like, super dependent on using it. And it's like our first, the first thing that we turn to and not the last thing that we turn to. Um, but so, so seeing that dichotomy and and the mindset of... um of the medical side, you know, it's just even like over these, this past couple of decades, watching my own feelings about how to be healthy change. And recently someone I know, um, got sick and posted on Facebook. Um, and I haven't actually talked to them, but, but it was an interesting post. um, and they said, Rin is pouring himself more yaupon here as, as we speak. Um, and they said, uh, oh, well, they think that I have pneumonia. And I thought, who's they? Like, I couldn't figure out for a long time who they was. And then I was like, oh, my God, she went to the doctor. Like, who goes to the doctor for just a lung infection? And, you know, just run of the mill, yeah, I'm wicked sick. Like, whatever, I'm, I'm wicked sick. And then I realized, Katya, everybody goes to the doctor for for a lung infection. Like, it's just that I'm weird. Pretty much. And I don't do that. But but that gets me back to this boring herbalism thing. Because throughout most of human history, if you got a nasty lung infection, you you just, you knew what to do and you took care of it. And that's what it was. And yeah, you were wicked sick for a week, but you know, you drank your herbs, you you did what you did. And, um, hopefully there was someone around, probably a woman to provide good nursing care. And, and that was the end of it. And it's just, you know, there wasn't that, that concept of like, Oh, I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to get a magic pill and that's going to make this go away. Like that just wasn't even a concept. It was just the boring, the boring old way of doing it, the not exciting way of doing it, the nasty, bitter, cruddy Ella campaign way of doing it
1: um, wonderful, delicious Ella campaign,
0: yeah, and so that doesn't mean that you should never go to a doctor do you do what you gotta do, and sometimes you gotta go to a doctor and and we should be so grateful that we have you know a lot of these a lot of these things because antibiotics are miracle drugs and when you need a miracle then we should be glad we've got antibiotics but we don't need miracles every day so you know yeah just
1: and similarly you know um there there are new insights that people can get there's new lab tests there's yeah. things like that and I've, I've seen a lot of people kind of gravitate towards that as a as a locus of their practice um whether that's uh, like a functional medicine practitioner or whether that's a a nutritionist who really wants to analyze things down to the the microgram of all of your trace nutrients and this and that, sometimes that's useful, sometimes that's even necessary. But the majority of the time, that doesn't really seem to be. In our experience as uh, practitioners and and clinicians and as teachers, um, we've observed that for most of the problems that people have, even ones that outwardly seem very, very serious and very... mm.
0: Intractable. Intractable, maybe, is a better word than serious. You know, know, like, resistant.
1: Right. Even in those cases, uh, you start with the fundamental work first, and then you proceed with that, and then you see what remains. And oftentimes what remains is relatively small, or it's just cleanup work at that point.
0: Mm -hmm. So it's really this this idea of consistent, everyday attention to being healthy. And now I have to talk about my my daughter. So she's 14. And all her life she's had dry skin and, you know, tendencies towards eczema and, and other skin stuff. And... If we use lotion every day, it really helps and, you know, avoiding food allergies really helps and if we lo- use lotion every day, after a week or so her skin gets quite nice. But she's, you know, she's a she's she's 14 <laughs> and she doesn't want to do what I say and she doesn't want to put on lotion every day and she she says I just wish I didn't have to think about it. Everybody doesn't have to think about putting on lotion every day. I just don't want to have to think about it.
1: Hey, man, if I have to do it in the morning, <laughs> then everybody does.
0: And um, and that reminds me of David Attenborough. i got to tell you, I learned more about human health from David Attenborough's nature television series than anything. But one day he was talking about sea otters and how they spend, like, the vast majority of their daily time that is awake taking care of their fur. Because if they don't, then they'll get cold and they'll get hypothermia and they'll die because, you know, they live in the ocean all the time. And, you know, as humans, we just think that we don't have to take care of our health on a daily basis. And, I, again, I think this is really...
1: you got to groom, groom your fur, man.
0: you got to groom your fur. This, this really comes back to the medical establishment where... Like when something breaks, you go get the magic pill and then you go back to work, you know, like, and so, and we've all bought into that as a concept. And, and the idea of preventative medicine is like, that's a whole industry. And if they made it an industry, then that means we forgot that that was just part of everyday life. Like, it's just what you got to do. And so, so I just, you know, consistent daily attention to health. And it doesn't mean it has to be every single thing you think about all the time, but you got to spend a minute in the morning and a minute in the evening thinking, did I do some things to keep myself healthy today? And that's self-care. And so the, co- the cool news is it doesn't have to be hard. Um, and so here is a practical blend that I have made up for you um, specific for this podcast. It is the Podcast 7 blend. And, oh, wait, there's only four things in it. Well, by the time we finish, we'll get seven in there. Um, but this blend of herbs taken as a tea every day is going to go a really long way towards keeping you healthy. And, again, it is just that boring, consistent stuff. If you, at night, before you go to bed, take these herbs, I'm going to tell you in just a minute, Put them in a quart-sized mason jar, pour some boiling water over them, leave them sit there in the morning, strain it into your water bottle, and drink it all day, and you just build that as a habit. Boom, you are consistently caring for your health. Presto, you did it. You win. So so what are those herbs, you might be asking? Um, Here they are. Nettle, calendula, tulsi, linden, and then a couple of um, choose-your-own-adventure herbs. And I'm going to suggest either ginger, goji, or mint, and, or all three of those. And those are going to be not just flavors, but also bonus, bonus plants. Um, so let me just tell you real quick for a minute about each of these. Nettle is, you know, for so many people nettle is the herbal, and I'm putting huge quoting marks around this, the herbal medicine that fixes whatever it is that was wrong with them. And I really don't think of it that way because nettle used to be food and it is so high in so many vitamins and so many minerals. And we're so deficient in those things today that I think that it isn't that we need nettle as medicine. It's that we all have nettle deficiency syndrome. So I'm not even really saying you should be taking nettle as medicine every day. You should just be, you know, it's like the old, I should have had a V8 commercials where the guy like smacks himself in the forehead. Like what what was I thinking? Um, It's, it's that this is, this is like your vegetables in a, in a Mason jar. Like it's, It's your multivitamin in a teacup. It's amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. And then calendula. Oh, and also nettle is really supportive to the kidneys. And the kidneys are like the soil that not just your adrenal glands, but really your entire endocrine system is rooted in. And so um, you're not just supporting your nutritious health, but also your endocrine health with nettle in a very supportive way.
1: Sure. Plus, there's been some evidence about nettle-improving blood sugar regulation, um, obviously reducing systemic inflammation. Uh, Plus, it
0: has all that good benefit if you have seasonal allergies. Yeah. So then, calendula. Calendula is um, this beautiful yellow flower, and it's such a multi-purpose, amazing... Not multi-purpose. How about multi-talented, right? Um, An Amazing, amazing plant. Calendula can stimulate the liver to function better, but even more than that, it can move the lymph around in your body. and we're all so sedentary in this culture that anything that can help us keep our lymph moving keeps us from becoming stagnant and keeps the trash, you know, flowing out of the body in a <clears throat> in an easy way. So that's really excellent. Um, calendula is also tremendously, um beneficial for the digestive tract. It is a vulnerary, which means that it promotes healing of the endothelial and epithelial tissue. <clears throat> um, the endothelial t- tissue is what you have lining the digestive tract. So if you've been taking some ibuprofen for headaches or pain, you get gut damage from that, and calendula heals it. Or if you have some food allergies, but occasionally you splurge and eat them anyway... You get gut damage, but calendula heals that. And um, so that's, or if you have something more serious, like ulcerative colitis or Crohn's, um, okay, calendula isn't going to make your Crohn's go away, but it is going to really help soothe the damage to the intestine. So, yay, that's amazing. Then the next one, Tulsi. Tulsi is one of our... um, One of our adaptogens, but, you know, it's one of our practical, everyday adaptogens. It's not like ginseng, where it's so stimulating that you can't work with it every day. Um, It is... It's a really great boost, but it's also... You know, there's no caffeine in it, or or really nothing particularly stimulating. Just those
1: aromatics. Yeah, nothing
0: more than any other mint. Yeah. But... It has tremendous benefit for the endocrine system and helping your body deal with adrenaline and cortisol and insulin and all the all the stuff that's really out of whack in our modern environment. Plus, it really helps get you in a good mood, and um, sometimes you need that. Tastes good. Yeah. The whole thing. And then the next one is linden, and linden is like... Um, You know, if you've got really dry, frizzy hair and split ends and you need a hot oil treatment and after you do a hot oil treatment um, or like a deep conditioning treatment, then your hair looks so smooth and nice and shiny. Okay, that's linden for your nervous system. When you're feeling frayed and frazzled and fried, what you need is a deep conditioning system for your nervous system. And that's what Linden provides. We like to call it a hug in a mug. Um,
1: Could you also be frittered or fraggled or fracked? Well, you're also being frayed and frazzled and fried. <laughs> and they all go together?
0: I suppose. They might be a little different. You might be frazzled because you've been fracked. Yeah.
1: That you know? happens.
0: Yeah. That happens. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so those are the four in equal parts, put them in a mason jar Put boiling water over them at night, let it sit on the counter in the morning when you wake up, put it in your mason jar, drink it all day.
1: You know, I'm I'm interested in looking at that, because in equal parts, that's a very balanced formula. You know, nettle's very drying, but linden is moistening. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tulsi's on the warm side, Um, the others are kind of a little more on the cool side, but there'll be a nice sort of neutral overall effect there. This is a formula that people could very easily push around in terms of, oh, I'm really... I'm a really damp constitution, I'm going to add extra nettle. Or I'm a very cold type, I'm going to add more Tulsi or maybe get some of that ginger mixed in to push this around to match your your individual body type and what you need for for longer-term intake.
0: Well, let's talk about those last three uh, multiple-choice herbs there. That was ginger, goji, and mint. So starting with that base formula, if you, like me, are a person who runs cold, then ginger might be exactly what you want. Um, plus, it tastes awesome, and I love that. Uh, ginger really helps stimulate the circulation, but it's also gloriously antispasmodic. So that's really perfect for my body because I am a rather tense person, but also I um, I am, you know, cold and I tend on the sluggish side. So ginger gets both of those things moving. Goji, also delicious. Um, is much more neutral, I think, in terms of warmth or it's, it's a, yeah. I'd
1: say it's a little bit on the warm side. It's not mo- much, though. Yeah, not not a, not a ton, but a little a little bit over on that side of the scale. It's a little bit moistening. Yeah, yeah.
0: but it's also super delicious, and it's a really good um, support. It's another one of our
1: adaptogens, um, in particular for the
0: cardiovascular system.
1: It's really really awesome as well. And you know goji and tea is a is a nice economical way to <laughs> to work with your berries that come from far away and across yeah. the world. Um, yeah. uh, first of all, um, don't buy goji berries at your local fancy grocery store uh, because they're marked up to a ridiculous degree. Get them from an herb supplier, mm. and you'll save a ton just just from that uh, handy life hack. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do that. Uh, But then, yeah, you know, throwing them into tea, you know, you just need, I don't know, like 10 in a quart of of tea or, you know, a small handful, whatever, a couple of tablespoons worth. But they really lend a lot of flavor and some color and you get a lot out of them. And if you want to, you can dig them out later and eat them after you've made your tea. That's fine.
0: (laughs) And then if you are a person who prefers the sort of cooling flavor of mint um, if that is your favorite flavor, then just toss peppermint in there instead. You know, we think of peppermint as like a flavor, but actually it is also super high in magnesium, super high in a lot of the minerals. So it's not like just flavor and you don't get anything else from it. It's, uh, it, it has a lot of awesomeness on its own. So, if all of those three flavors appeal to you, you could put all three of those into your tea blend, and that would be super delicious. And if one or two of them appeal to you more than the others, then put those in. Um, but there you go. Seven seven boring herbs that you can take every single day, um, and that is going to make an enormous change over time in your health, if you just build this in as a consistent part of your lifestyle. Um, So do that, try it for a month, and then tell me, like, how awesome you think it is.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thank you for joining us once again. I think that's it for this week. Any announcements we want to make, or...
0: Uh, business class. Yes. Yeah, if you are looking to be an herbal business person, um, whether you want to see clients and build your own clinical practice, or you want to be an herb farmer, or sell cool tinctures, or any of those other things, um, we've got the business class for you. And you can find it at our website, com slash business. Also, the apprenticeship for next year is, um... I think there's like two spots left. It starts in March, so if you're local and you want to join the nine month apprenticeship, then um, get on that
1: because filling fast. Time's coming. Yeah. 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 Starts in March. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.
0: Bye, guys.